We are an Easter people, and this parish is filled with people of Easter hope. Some of them even came to Mass last night thinking they could find a parking space during the orange and white game. And I am an Easter person because this is the fourth year I am preaching on the fourth Sunday of Easter, and at every Mass I've ever preached at this place, I have asked this question, and nobody has ever gotten it right. But I live in hope. I'm going to try again and hope I don't have to wait until April 16th and 17th of 2016 to get an answer to this. What do we also call the fourth Sunday of Easter? Yes, Good Shepherd Sunday. But you were here at Mass yesterday, weren't you? Yeah. (laughs) But I heard it over here. Bonus points for Gryffindor. Thank you, Jerry. Okay. Every year on the fourth Sunday, we hear from the 10th chapter of John about the Good Shepherd. Classes have ended. And the end of school year farewells have begun. Many tears of goodbye have been shed in this building this weekend with the Knights Formal, the Senior Brunch, RCIA, the Confirmation Retreat. And we're about to be sprinkled with the waters of baptism. And there's a similarity there. Most of you squint and flinch when I come after you, and that's why I do it with such gusto. But hopefully after that initial embarrassment, we recognize the healing, the mercy, the grace and goodness of God we receive through this sprinkling. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we repeatedly hear this metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep. And sometimes they mention goats in that uh, metaphor as well. But when the goats are mentioned, we are always likened to the sheep. And that's great for those of us who live in the city in the suburbs, but if you do a Google search, you'll find out very quickly that goats are smarter than sheep. They are cleaner than sheep, more agile, more curious. Goats have horns to defend themselves. They don't have to have their coats sheared every year. They more readily seek shelter, and they choose to eat more nutritious food. So why does God call us sheep? Because it's a metaphor about trust and dependence. Sheep are lost without a good shepherd. But goats can fend for themselves. This weekend, many, many students, almost all students, as well as faculty and staff and all the rest of us in various ways who are linked to the academic calendar, have begun the transition to summer. Classes are over. And while the groaning table has not been set upstairs yet, most of us are already thinking about life after finals. And it's natural. Human nature, by its very nature, looks to the future. One of the hallmarks of Christianity is looking forward to the end of time with the same sort of excitement that some people look forward to summer vacation. As our second reading today from the first letter of John beautifully said, What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But the first letter of John doesn't simply look to the future. Remember the line just before that. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now. Let's look forward to the promises of the future, but let's not forget what we already possess 
We are so blessed. We have gathered here on weekends and many of us on weekdays throughout this school year to grow in our faith, to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Many of us face a challenge tomorrow. The routines we've established over the last four months suddenly end. That is a problem for us sheep because sheep need routines. We need a shepherd to lead us into the fold for protection at night, to lead us out of the fold for sustenance during the day, to lead us past the still waters to the gently flowing streams. Even if you're the kind of person who pulls all-nighters and takes afternoon naps, not that there's anything wrong with that, we, even those people, we function better when we have some regular obligations in our week. Then we can set up routines around those milestones of the week. Personally, I have a love-hate relationship with routines. Engineers are known for being organized and introverted. But when I was an engineer, I had an extremely messy cubicle, and I worked in an interdisciplinary team. Musicians are known for being relaxed and carefree, but when I was a musician, I was known for being extremely disciplined. I hate organizing my desk and my files. But I love it when the desk is clean and my files are updated. So no matter where you sit on the spectrum between disorganized and regimented, I can relate. I have practical advice for anyone who is facing a schedule change. Students preparing for the summer, graduates about to start careers, people just preparing for the weekend or a vacation or retirement. Transitions are among the most perilous times in our journey of Christian discipleship. Those of us who are involved with RCIA, we had our final talk today, and we took three hours to talk about what happens now that this process of the last seven months has ended, where you've come every Tuesday night to learn and grow in your faith. Even students who have been heavily involved in church activities during the school year suddenly feel lost in the summer. This homily actually was inspired by a conversation I had with Andrea Francis a few weeks ago. Because all the things that you've had in place, your spiritual and religious disciplines that you've had, go out the window. Within a few weeks, many college students in the summer find themselves tempted by the very vices they had successfully fought off during the school year. My advice is every time your schedule changes for the rest of your life, the first thing you must do is reconsider your routines. I always start with the simplest question, the one that gets me in trouble if I don't answer it. What time do I need to get up in the morning? That's great about being on a college campus. It's not too early right now. What time do I need to go to bed the night before? When should I eat those three nutritious meals I'm supposed to have at the same time every day? When am I going to exercise? And now for the rest of your life, I invite you to add one more question. When am I going to pray? Prayer, as a great theologian, Kathy Toth, has said, is like a discipline. She's giving me this strange look. Prayer is a discipline. It's like exercise. Some days we can't lift as much at the gym as we did the day before, but we don't say, I didn't go to the gym. It's the same with prayer. Some days you might not levitate. 
That doesn't mean that you didn't connect with God. Even if you feel you didn't connect, you're not that special if you feel that way. Even the greatest saints had that experience of not feeling as if they connected to God during their prayer time. The important thing is to show up every day at the same time every day. And don't be a superhero. Pick a time that's easy for you, when you have the energy, when you know you have those few minutes to carve out each day at the same time for God. It's better to pray consistently for five minutes every day than to plan for 30 minutes and never find the time to fit it in. So many college freshmen come to me and say, I don't pray anymore. I, I always used to pray before I went to bed, but now I'm too tired. I say, well, then don't pray before you go to bed. It's not rocket science. In other words, if we say that Jesus is the good shepherd, we must find a way to regularly listen for his voice.